Hey guys, like the Discussing Who podcast? Then you should also check out our friends over at DiceJunkies.com. A YouTube channel and a podcast, Dice Junkies brings you gaming and geek news, discussions, reviews, and a whole lot more. Check them out over at DiceJunkies.com. Tell them Discussing Who sent you. Hey folks, welcome back. This is Discussing Who. It's the 1880s, I think, and we are live on Mars. Or you could just say that this is episode 55. And in this episode, we will review the ninth episode of Doctor Who, Series 10, The Empress of Mars. Now, it wouldn't be Discussing Who if I didn't mention the other voices running around in my head or on Skype or wherever they might be. So first off, I want to talk about the impossible co-host himself, Mr. Clarence Brown. Clarence, what have you been up to? Uh, nothing much, man, but I think uh, 55 was my first uh, n- number in junior high basketball. Really? You know, when, you, when, <laughs> when you're new... You kind of get the worst pick of the numbers, and that's kind of what I got left with. So, <laughs> so it holds a special place in my so heart. Not really. But. Kind of like uh, <laughs> probably episode number 337, when we finally reach that, will mean something to someone we'll talk about in just a second. But Clarence, <laughs> anything been up with you? What have you been up to lately? Oh, nothing much, man. We uh, actually, um, me, you, and the guys from Reality Breach uh, interviewed the one of the runners for the Mississippi Comic Con, so that was interesting, and it was our last show on our feed, so if you're listening now, you should go back and check that out as well. Episode 54. Now, you've got something coming up next weekend, don't you? Yeah, it is the Mississippi Comic Con we were just talking about. <laughs> and, and at the Mississippi Comic Con, Clarence and I, along with our friend Angie, who has been on our show before and is also a member of a group called the Metro Whovians, will have a Doctor Who panel. It is in Jackson, Mississippi, at the Mississippi Comic Con, at the Jackson Trademark, and I believe it is at 11 a.m. next Sunday morning. Yes, I believe so. Let me make sure. Just yes, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Good deal. Good deal. Well, you know what? I want to do this before we go forward with Doctor Who. I just want to take a moment to welcome around the uh, welcome around, welcome around welcome back the other voice walking around in my head tonight, Mr. <laughs> Lee Shackelford. Lee, what's going on with you? I, I'm in Kyle's head, and you can't get out. <laughs> That's fantastic voice. Um, You know what? I got to mention this. I saw a picture that you posted online, and it was this looks like stacks and stacks and stacks of paper. You want to tell us what that was about? I'm not sure. (laughs) It was something uh, relative to you or relativity. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have uh, finally uh, I I finally declared my next 10 scripts for relativity to be actually finished. I'm going to stop, you know futzing with them and endlessly re-editing. So scripts for 11 through 20 are finished and uh, are, awesome. in fact, in the mail to Elena. <laughs> she should get them tomorrow. And uh, sometime next week, we will record them. Cool. So, wow. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. 
and and I, I I don't know what people will think of them, but I like them. I think uh, I think there's some interesting stuff in there. So there you go. So let me ask you a question. Coming yeah. from writing, this is sort of like what, what are you going to call this season two, or just the continuation, or I I, I I've done both. I, I guess without meaning to, it's ended up being season two because it's been three months since we had, you know, episode 10. I mean, wow. So <clears throat> not as long as the uh, hiatus between Doctor Who nine and 10, for heaven's sake. True, still. true, true. So here's here. Here's my question. Did yeah. you find it a different experience this time writing for these characters having already written series one and now you're into series two or season two? Did you find the writing be the same, or did you find a difference or, or anything with the characters? What an excellent and insightful question. You do ask good questions. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You really do. It, it, is, it is your, your podcasting gift. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, that's a great catch. It, it was. It was very different writing these than writing the first one. Very, very different. Um, if you don't mind my asking, different how? Well, um, you're challenging me to really think about it um, uh, and say anything about it out loud for the first time. I, I don't. <laughs> I was I was just aware that it was different, but it's more it's more complicated. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I knew that what I was putting out in the first place was sort of um, character traits about these people, you know, that would propel the story. But now they've said enough that we. At least in my mind, these are sort of fully formed people, but and that means that they they have more nuance that they that they they have more complicated backstories the more I think about them and so on. So it's they're more complicated than they were before. So let me ask this: yeah. in in the <clears throat> first time you were writing, did because the, the the way I'm trying to see it or the, what's popping in my head is the first time you, you know true enough you were going to get Elena to record uh with you but when you're writing the first time and they've not aired and no one's listening there's still this n nebulous names but like you right. just said now they've created right. an identity so much so that clarence and i realized you know back and forth you know i would go oh i really don't like uh what chris is doing or i really don't mm -hmm. like what uh and i can't remember the other sophia. character sophia yeah. is doing and mm -hmm. clarence you often you know, disagreed with me. So it's almost like they took a life of their own. Yeah. And that's the goal. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure I said relativity. Did I, did we say relativity? <laughs> <laughs> this is my show relativity. We're talking about relativity podcast.com. But, uh, but yeah. And, and you brought up a great thing too, that, um, uh, because I, I'm doing all the, the post and because I've been listening to those first 10 episodes over and over again, I'm now hearing Chris as a voice other than my own. And Elena, as a performer, she brought things to the performance of that character that are, you know, a, a whole different level of depth and richness uh, beyond what I wrote for Sophia. And now that's the character, you know, not just what I wrote, but what I wrote plus her performance. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, now that I'm writing the next batch, it has to respond to that, you know, and yeah. not just what I wrote before. So it, it, it's exciting, but it is complicated. And, yeah. and do you find you are not getting into kind of, uh, I have a Bible of history to adhere to going forward and you can't really contradict yourself and, and things like that? Yes, I am trying to be very careful about continuity. And I've already 
<clears throat> realize that if anybody really, uh, I'm going to blow it now. If anybody really wants to sit down and try to map how you get from the bridge to the habitat <laughs> on, on the Konyechny, they'll think they'll notice that it takes a different amount of time every episode. <laughs> sometimes you can get right there, and sometimes it takes a long time. And there's really no explanation for that. <laughs> yes, there is. It's all relative. So, it's all relative. That, that's, that really is an explanation. <laughs> Depends on how fast you're going. But, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to figure out. I mean, a long time ago, I made a detailed drawing of this ship. I wanted to be sure that I knew where everything was in the ship before I started talking about it even though, you know, it, it's only going to be in people's minds. But I wanted the rules to be consistent, and I'm not sure they are, but, you know. So <clears throat> it, it helps me to, to pity the people at, you know, places like DC or Marvel who are trying oh. to keep up with the continuity. Of, yeah. <laughs> or, as we'll get to on Doctor Who, trying to remember things like <laughs> the Galactic Federation with Alpha Centauri. Exactly. <laughs> well, Anyway, <laughs> well, speaking of Marvel, but that's ahead. no, no, no. But yeah. speaking oh, yeah. of Marvel and DC, Clarence, oh, yeah. I actually shared something with you, um, and I meant to share it to our group feed, but I accidentally shared it directly to you. But uh, you want to tell uh, Lee about the picture or the image that I showed you that just showed the second week of what were you know comic book movies over the last five okay. years. Yeah. Who was at the worst end, and what was at the best end? You want to kind of share that? I think this is pretty predictable, but uh, for the sake of the audience, <laughs> I will say uh, Batman v Superman was at the top end of that of uh, second week drop offs, and uh, Wonder Woman has the best percentage of second week drop offs. So yeah, of it's, all, it's pretty not just DC. I gotta I gotta yeah, I gotta be yeah. clear. Of all, of all. Yeah, that's X Men, that's Avengers, that's Iron Man, that's all of them. in the last five years anyway. In the yeah, last, last five, five years, years. <clears throat> yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But still that is a I think that means that the Wonder Woman right now is the highest grossing picture apart from something like The Force Awakens. Or or Rogue One, I mean. Hmm. I'd be happy. I, 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 in my reality, I'm going to say that's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, with I'm that. pretty sure that's right. In any case, the point is, Wonder Woman is breaking records, breaking box office uh, doors. It's 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 creating history, and and the fans, people who are loving this this show, they are themselves a part of history. So, there you go. All right. Well, let me ask you something real quick, and I, and I will put this link in the show notes, but. Um, your wife, um, who you know, Clarence and I both know, Karen Dill Shackelford, mm -hmm. uh, wrote an article on Wonder Woman for PsychologyToday.com. And again, I will include the link in the show notes. But you want to just kind of whet people's appetite for just a little bit of what she said in the article? Well, the subtitle was, um, and, you know, Wonder Woman Saves the Day and Not a Moment Too Soon. Um, and it really is about the place in cultural history of this movie of how long little girls have been waiting for a tentpole superhero movie like this and they got it and it's good <laughs> you know <clears throat> and uh, and she and she so she's talking about what sort of the sociological impact of that is and uh, yeah i encourage everybody to read it i think it's i think it's great and i love the fact that you know because my personal favorite moment in that film is her you know crouching with the shield in no man's land and uh, she used the, the that she used a still of that in the article, so that made me happy. But 
And, Cl- and Clarence and I were talking earlier today. Um, your commentary that you gave us for episode 53, I think we both thought was, you know, totally outstanding. Well, thank yes. you. I, I didn't know how appropriate it is to cry on this show or not. <laughs> <laughs> We've never done it before. No, not in Doctor uh, Who. Never. Well, I may choke up again if, if we can, if we're going to move on to other news, because I have just this moment been handed some other DC Comics related news. I well uh, c- care to share. Um, my buddy David Duncan, who is um, uh, a, 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 an illustrator and designer, and uh, works in the in the uh, the movie business, and uh, his big movie that he's been working on, uh, called Spider-Man: Homecoming, is coming out soon. And um, but that's in another universe. But he just <laughs> sent me. He just texted me to send me this this little note, and I'm going to choke up about this because um, you know I was six years old when the Batman TV series and the Batman movie. Uh, came out, and uh, my whole world was Adam West Batman, and to me, Adam West is always going to be Batman, uh, campy and silly as the show deliberately was, but doggone it, he's Batman to me. Um, and uh, what David, because David lives in you know in Los Angeles, of course, he knows about these things. He just sent me this note: Mayor Garcetti is <laughs> uh, putting together a tribute to Adam West because they do this kind of thing in Hollywood. Thursday night, they've put together the lighting instrument. They've put together the equipment to do it, and they're going to shine the bat signal. Oh, how cool! Over Los Angeles, starting at nine o'clock. Oh my god! Thursday night. Oh my god! Oh, is that not cool? Wow. Yeah. How about that? Wow. So, how cool is that? Adieu, Adam West. Yes. 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 Um, and um, Mayor West, as well as Batman, if you're That's a right. friend of exactly. uh, friend of Family Guy, a fan of Family Guy. You That's know, right. So I guess Mayor Mayor Garcetti is respecting another. Uh, 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 he's he's paying due to another mayor. There you go. Um, mm. Not Mayor yeah. Me, of course. <laughs> and it's, it's always funny when you have a, um, you know, a, I'm a little bit younger than than you guys, but you know, he wasn't my Batman. Uh, per se, but you know, you still see the influences and you see the old footage. You know, it's always weird for me when I hear of, you know, these uh, a little bit older actors passing and things like that. And I can still respect it, but I don't have just that hardcore hardcore connection. It's sort of like with a sports team as well, you know, like Dr. J, you know, my dad is telling me how amazing he is, but. I watch the footage. I've seen the highlights. I think that's cool, but you still don't have that first type of connection that you guys have. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I totally respect it. I wish I knew more about this guy actually, and I'll probably do some follow up reading on that. But, but yeah, what they're doing in, in Los Angeles that's just awesome. I imagine we'll be seeing photos because if if that works, I mean it's it's technically kind of hard to do actually. True, you know, Maybe. It, it's something you have to buy in the in the imaginary world of the comics. <laughs> Apparently, it's always night in Gotham City for one thing. So, <laughs> and, and and it's but, always uh, cloudy and it's always exactly, smoky and yeah. exactly. There's got to be a convenient low hanging cloud over police headquarters. Of course, <laughs> but, but somehow they're going to make it work. So anyway. Well, that's cool, so, and and, and yeah. it's kind of cool that we kind of in real time live through a little uh, bit of history. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, Clarence, I want to ask you a little bit. Um, you know, real quick on Wonder Woman. 
Do you think now that we've gotten such a great response of Wonder Woman, do you see, even though they've already started talking about it, do you see Wonder Woman 2? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's coming. Um, I guess the big question is going to be what time it will be in. Um, more than likely, it will be in modern day, which uh, is probably is, is definitely going to lead to it being a very different type of movie. Um, I hope we can go back to Paradise Island in some form because <laughs> I love that place so much. But but yes, yeah, it'll definitely be a Wonder Woman too. But we also have to see how um, Justice League is going to do, and you know, hopefully. Uh, while this movie was being made, it influenced Snyder enough to uh, start Justice League in the right direction, one could hope. And, and if anybody heard that uh, little uh, noise there, that was actually me punching myself not to say anything. So um, <laughs> I, I was being respectful because I wanted to say something, but I didn't. I, I was respectful. So. Well, the man is going through a, a, a hideous life crisis. True, and that's why, I'm, but I, that's why I hit myself exactly. and stopped myself. That, I mean, and, 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 you know, I mean, we're making jokes about it, but I, I know that none of us would wish any, Absolutely. wish this on anybody. No, not but at all. It, it, it changes you. And, and I, I do wonder what his, sort of his worldview is going to be like coming out of this on the other side. I mean, and not, not only the, the, this terrible loss of his daughter and the sort of shattering impact to his whole family, but, um, but also... He, he's directed this big tentpole movie for a studio, and it was a disaster. Yeah. And then somebody else came along and has made this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, anybody, any professional has to sort of look at that and say, hmm, <laughs> yeah. maybe I've been going about this the wrong way, possibly. Yeah. True. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. True, true, true. All right, so enough of comic books. Um, okay. So let's get uh, – but before we get into the actual episode discussing itself, what? discussing <laughs> comics, no, discussing who, um, you know what time it is if you're listening. So if you've not seen this episode, put us on pause. We'll be in podcast limbo waiting for you because from this point forward, be warned, spoilers. 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 So, Doctor Who, um, Lee, you told us about earlier today something you had read that kind of outlined Chipnell's plan for the next um, showrunner of Doctor Who. So would you care to share that with us? I guess it always has sort of the, the substance of being only slightly more than rumor because the, a lot of this is coming from third sources, but um, somebody close to him has said that um, he's got a five-year plan for Doctor Who. And, um, and when asked about it, he did say that um, he thought that a series-long arc is definitely possible. Uh, wow. I mean, of course, Chris Chibnall comes to us, of course, straight from Broadchurch, which has been one long story for a whole season, followed by one you know, the next year was a another season long story that that came right out of the the first one, and so in the third uh, one, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm forgetting that there's even a <laughs> and it's good we're, too, we're, by the way. We're, we're kind of in the midst of year three right now, right? In uh, the UK, finished in the in the oh, US, okay. uh, coming at the end of June on BBC America. All right, but it okay. is I, it's good. I haven't too. seen any three. All right. 
Um, yeah, I, and, and uh, yeah, so all of us who have been enjoying his writing there and uh, you know his work as showrunner is just uh, we're you know we feel confident that he can tell a coherent story. That's pretty clear. Um, uh, but um, his specific charge, he says, uh, from the BBC was risk and boldness. That they're saying we want to shake Doctor Who up, and I'm not quoting wow. now, but that was the gist. And that uh, they feel like he's the guy to do it. And he made the joke that you know maybe you should kill the Doctor off in episode one because then the title would really make sense. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> no, uh-uh. but no, um, but he does say that he loves the show. He says I love the show to my bones. He says that is a quote. Uh, and see, here's another quote. Um, I had ideas about what I wanted to do with it, and I went to them. He means the BBC and said, this is what I would do. And he said, I actually expected him to say, Ooh, let's talk about that. But what they said was great. So, um, so apparently he went in and pitched something really kind of off the wall and they said, yeah, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but we I don't mean, know what that. Yeah. I mean, I think that would definitely, whatever it is, would be a breath of fresh air. Um, but you always run the risk of um, alienating longtime fans, uh, fans of classic and fans of, of new who. So, I mean, I, I'm excited. It's, it's exciting for us as podcasters about this show to see something oh, yeah. new and different. But, uh, yeah, I just hope it doesn't alienate fans. <laughs> well, and that's exactly my concern, too, because what one of the things I can't find the quote now in the article. But one thing he specifically mentioned that I remember was that he thinks one of the ways the show is, has gotten kind of stuck in the mud is, is fan service hmm. is doing things like having Alpha Centauri show up at, <laughs> at the end of an episode. <laughs> I'm going to keep going back to that. That uh, I, I think he feels like the show is still sort of mired in its 1963 origins. And maybe he wants to shake it up enough that uh, those of us who grew up with the show might not even recognize it. Wow. Well, yep. you you go Maybe. back and listen or you look at RTD's era, there were hints and little tidbits that we saw of, um, you know, other past Doctor Who's. Uh, for instance, Episode 6, Dalek has the Dalek, of course, but it also has mm-hmm. the Cyberman head. You mm-hmm. see Sarah Jane in Series 2. You know, sure. you've got and, – and you've got other things, mm-hmm. but on a – Another note, it was the, I think it was the Christmas episode, the next Doctor, or or the, I think it was the next Doctor, it was the title of the Christmas episode, before we actually see the other Doctor's faces on, you know, on screen, um, you know, where, the, where uh, tenants, I mean, well, actually, the, 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 the memory implant on the guy that had the Cyberman uh, thing that was giving him the doctor's memories that and yeah. he saw the faces that was the first time in new who that you actually saw the faces and that was like two That's or right. three years after mm-hmm. you know yeah. who came back so i'm not saying that the um fan services that we've seen recently are a bad thing but i do agree or acknowledge that there have been quite a few especially this season yeah, I, I thought I, I I always think this is what the the, the RTD or of the show has done most brilliantly was that it it bridged the gap from the classic show to to a new series that he was able to create a series for the 21st century that didn't um, 
that didn't have to disembody itself. That didn't have to to divorce itself from the original series. You know, I uh, so, so Clarence. Let me ask you a question. In uh, your interpretation of series or series one, series two of RTD versus um, the Matt Smith era of Peter Capaldi with um, Moffat, do they feel the same to you? Do they feel different? What What, what are your thoughts? Um, it's it's kind of hard to tell because I don't know if it's the show just getting better as it's progressing along from season to season and me being more involved in it, or if the material is just outright better, <laughs> it's probably a little of both, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a distinct difference, uh, especially with the, uh, one of the things I guess me and you both have talked about that might be a bad thing. These long going, uh, season long arcs. And if, uh, Chipmull is planning to have a five year long arc, uh, <laughs> how are we going to feel about that? Um, I really yeah. don't know. What do you yeah. think, Lee? <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? Who? who knows? <laughs> but keep, one thing to keep in mind, it is not as if Chibnall is totally new to Doctor Who. He, you know, I think it's That's worth right. noting that he was not necessarily the showrunner, but he was head writer uh, for the first two seasons of uh, Torchwood. And mm-hmm. he uh, wrote... Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, episodes between 2006 and 2008 of Torchwood. And he has also written five episodes and six mini episodes between 2007 and 2012 of Doctor Who. So it's not like he's, you know, new to Who. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, he's really part of of a pretty elite, a pretty small group of people who've written for Doctor Who. So, so I'm I'm interested, you know, to see um, what he brings to the um, brings to the table, and I'm not opposed to a five year plan. I go back to uh, Babylon Five and think about mm-hmm. that was a five year plan for that story, and yeah. because it was a five year plan, is why it worked. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, so anybody else have anything else to talk about Chipnell before we move on? We good? No chance. Yeah, let's do it. All right, good deal. All right, let's so, go to Mars. All right, well, true. Yeah, oh, yeah, let's go to Mars. So, um, you know, again, Empress of Mars is the ninth episode, which means we have only three left. And for Capaldi's 12th Doctor, we've only got four episodes. And then that will lead us into a new era, or into a new era, under Chibnall, who we were just talking about. So, this episode was written by Mark Gatiss, and was broadcast on June the 10th, 2017 on BBC One in the UK and on BBC America here in the US. It features the return of the Ice Warriors, which were last seen in Series 7 with Clara and the 11th Doctor. This is also Mark Gatiss's first Doctor Who episode since Watch No More, oops, excuse me, Sleep No More last year. So, c- curious question. Have either of you gone back and watched uh, sl- uh, Sleep No More since, um, <laughs> since it was on last year? I have not, but... Uh... Uh, on my third uh, viewing of um, uh, Empress of Mars, I finally realized that she says sleep no more <laughs> to her warriors. Yeah, I thought that. I noticed that, too. <laughs> we get that up, yeah. But, uh, Clarence, have you come no, back no. and watched it? 
No, I have not. I don't like that episode. I mean, it was one of the most yeah. boring for me episodes yeah. that I think New Who has produced, unfortunately. Did nothing for me, yeah. Yeah, that's why I haven't gone back to look at it again. And uh, c- curious uh, piece of information. Do either of you remember how it uh, stands apart from all other episodes of Doctor Who? Well, it didn't actually happen. True, true, but something else. No idea. Well, I guess since it actually didn't happen, the fact that there were uh, was no opening credits for that episode and the only one in Doctor uh, Who history without opening credits. That's right. There's no title sequence because it's not an episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a dream. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you, you know, you could argue that, um, oh, what's the, uh, what's the first of the Monk trilogy? What's it, what's it called? Um, the, which one? The, 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 uh, the, the, the Monk's trilogy, uh, the, the blind doctor trilogy. Oh, what's the, what's uh, the first episode of it called? Oh, um, uh, uh, um, wow. My, yeah. br- my brain totally like, <clears throat> uh, the pyramid at the end of the world. No. Um, yeah, it's the one before pyramid. Extremis. Extremis, yes. Uh, I don't think that story happened either. Tell me why. Because it was all inside the computer simulation. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Very good. Because um, the yes, but but it it ha- it did happen in the context of the probably the first thirty seconds and the last thirty seconds. Right. <laughs> all that happens is inside the sonic sonic. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Anyway. Uh, but uh, just want to you know compare one more co- uh, comparison. Um, Sleep No More had an appreciation index of seventy eight percent and a sixty seven percent Rotten Tomatoes approval rating. In comparison Ooh. to that, um, the Empress of Mars has a one hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes rating and an appreciation index in the UK of 83%. So obviously people liked it a lot better and overnight UK viewers for initial watching were 300, I mean, 3 million and 3.58 million, excuse me. So, um, Clarence, you mentioned having a question when we uh, talked about the way the episode started. So kind of refresh, cause I couldn't remember kind of refresh my memory. What was your question? Oh man, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> when did I ask you this question? Uh, it was something. <laughs> hold on, it was something about oh, why did they go back to? How did they know? Ah, that's it. How did they know to go back to the eighteen hundreds? And and Lee, you may have picked up on that because I didn't. How did they know to go back to the? Yeah, 1800s? I, I actually I actually picked it up when I watched the episode again. Uh, when they got in the TARDIS, he they did some kind of calculation that said yeah. it really happened in eighteen hundreds. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Said, yeah, yeah. I didn't catch it the first time. Right, yeah, me either. But yeah, but I was willing to buy it. But yeah, but yeah, the TARDIS <laughs> just said, uh, yeah, you'll need to go to the eighteen eighties for this. <laughs> so yeah, okay. <laughs> what do you guys think about the um, the the uh, NASA setup? Uh, I've never seen NASA look like a conference room, but um, okay. Hmm. Yeah, it looked very weird to me. It didn't look like NASA at all, but I don't know. Hmm. What did you think, Lee? Yeah, that looked like um, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory to me. That I mean, it did wasn't. It? it wasn't, but yeah, yeah I know. But, it, <clears throat> but yeah, but that, that's the I'm way wrong. you set it up. You you have all those screens facing that way, big screen on the wall, and uh, yeah. Um, 
my thought was, why don't you keep going to NASA this year? <laughs> I mean, really, that, that's like the second or third yeah, episode. Yeah, are we, yeah. are we planting a seed there? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It was, it, yeah, we very quickly dismissed why they were there. You know, the doctor says it's basically a day out for the kitties, you know, but. <laughs> and so I guess it, Nordle and uh, yeah. Bill are the kitties. Exactly. Yeah, a field trip for them. <laughs> but, uh, okay, but. You know, and that's the kind of thing I'd want the doctor to take me to. But what is there? Is there a larger purpose to that? Is there a larger, a, a bigger reason why they're there yeah. to watch this signal come in from Valkyrie? Yeah, and my brain is sitting here wanting to go ahead and ask another question, but I'm going to go ahead and jump and ask <laughs> you guys this question. So we know they get to Mars, obviously. So we know they're on Mars. What did you guys think of those uh, antiquated yet uh, new, able to survive in space, steampunk looking <laughs> astronaut suits? What did you guys think of that? <laughs> it looks awesome. And uh, every Doctor Who convention we're going to go to from now on is going to have somebody <laughs> who's made one of those suits. I, you know, their, their steampunkiness is irresistible. Uh, yeah, yeah I, enjoy, but, I, I, I enjoy that. <clears throat> yeah, I agree, too. I thought they looked really cool. This has been a season so far of, about pressure suits, hasn't it? We've, yeah. we've had a whole episode about people in the suits, and the doctor has uh, – and Bill went to the bottom of the Thames, and um, what else? Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a repeating theme going on here. Uh-huh. About people uh, with pressure – well, I mean, like – the pressure suits that, that the doctor and Bill went to the bottom of the Thames, that, that requires a whole team to operate those. You know? And so then the doctor went down by himself, and I thought, okay, these are operating on rules that I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe I know too much about you know, these kinds of suits. But yeah. See, the anyway. sonic doesn't work on wood, but it works on water. Okay, That's it. <laughs> That's right. It works He's, under yeah, the water. That's right. Yes, the screwdriver is pulling the, the oxygen out of the water and putting it in his suit. Ah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, that's yeah. What why not? See, yeah. I'll buy that. All right. So, speaking of the British troops, how how believable was was them being on Mars? Clarence, what do you think? <sighs> well, uh, I think maybe the air vacuum or the having oxygen. On Mars was a little more unbelievable, but you know, I, I guess I could buy their story. You know, a stranded alien on Earth that they're going to help to get more gold for the Queen. Uh, I, I, I guess I can, right. I can go with that. And, and yeah, they they went back in his ship. Yeah, what, what's the problem? So how long do we think <laughs> they were there? A few months, I believe. I think that's, I think what, that's they what they said. They said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, they were mighty. Okay, so here's the reason I asked that. They were mighty well kept to have been there for several months and having none of the amnities of even 1880s <laughs> Britain, they were mighty in good shape to be on a desolate planet with no, you know, no, no shaving kits, no, you know, right. uh, whatever. Uh, uh, oh, well, they would have had a shaving kit, believe me. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, so, 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 so basically, you know, uh, here's this alien about to take them in space and they run, oh, wait just a minute. I've got to go get my shaving kit. Uh, well, no, no, actually, 
<laughs> that's part of what I loved about this this episode, and I did I did love this episode is that uh, I know these guys. These are these are the background characters of you know the the literature that I've you know always been reading. Uh, my favorite, the Sherlock Holmes novels, uh, The Sign of Four, is full of these guys, um, and. Um, and, you know, they are part of that glorious, the glory of the British Empire, you know, yeah. the, the empire in which the sun never sets, that whole era. And, yeah, if they were going to take anything with them, it would be their shaving kits. Uh, the uh, One of the things I'm nuts about is the golden age of uh, Antarctic exploration. You know, the Britons were, the, they were certain they were going to be the first to the pole, and they almost were. But that that last group who who tried to make it to the pole um, I've seen photographs of their daily rations of what they carried with them to consume every day. And one of them is like a pound of fat that they're going to eat. And, um, and then there's a pound of uh, sugar that they're also going to consume and an equal portion of tobacco. <laughs> really? For, for that's important. Yep. yep. <laughs> Those are the three things you need. We got a fat, sugar, and tobacco. And you just, and, and they all, they died, those five guys. And you just want to say, well, if you'd packed a little differently, <laughs> You know, but but that's how they thought, you know. We're British, damn it, and our creature comforts are what's going to get us through. <laughs> and of course, these guys would all be clean shaven. That's that's really that's actually really accurate. And they would have taken care of those uniforms too. Yeah, because because that's what you do. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's, that, that's what you I do. mean. It's crazy, but that's but that's one of the things about the show that actually seemed the most realistic to me. Yeah, really, <laughs> because because that's that's part of their character, and I. I, I just read a review of this episode today, and somebody was complaining about the fact that did they have to be called things like God's Acre and Catch Love and you know Sergeant Major Peach, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, go look at the go look at the army records. That's that's their names. That's their names. That's the names of these people. That's not, you know, th- those those sound fanciful to us, but that's just because we're, you know, it's 2017. But those are those are uh, those are respected family names and. Uh, and and were those and were a lot of those empire building soldiers were they the kinds of guy who would say yes sir we're out here for king and country you know for queen and country sorry you know <laughs> but but then turn right around and say uh, hey you know I suppose I could take that guy's money if I put a knife in his back well as long as nobody's looking yeah right yeah I mean and I have to just totally agree with you it's the character of these soldiers is kind of what made the episode. Just you elaborating on the names, which a lot of those I didn't catch during the course of the episode, uh, just further illuminates the the zaniness of these characters. And I mean, I just I just thought they were perfect. And they did state that they were uh, about to run out of supplies. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I, I love the soldiers. They were great. Did you like all of the soldiers? (laughs) Um. Yeah, I pretty much <laughs> even even the one that I would call the proverbial bad guy soldier. Uh, are you talking about the the one that was t- um, with the coup, or are you talking about the yes. guy that was trying to get the gym? <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. I mean, they were both, but I, no, I'm talking about the guy that was pretty much an ass for the entire episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Catch-lock, yeah, yeah I, I love them in his his aniness, though. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just so weird. Um, he had just the right amount of character, and you know, would we act like that today? No, we wouldn't. But you know, I, this is supposed to be the 1800s, and what do you think of when you think of 1800s Britain soldiers? That's kind of the yeah. characters that you would think about. Not saying that they're bad like he was, but you know, the way he played the character, I, I think it was perfect for this episode. 
Yeah, Ketchlove is the one who who says, you know, the doctor challenges him, you know, you're the aliens here. And he says, we're British. Exactly. What are you saying? Mars is part of the empire now. And, and he said that with such conviction and with af- no afterthought. It's the bloody it just, truth, of course. Right. Wherever we go, it's ours. What you, why are you arguing me about this? Oh, yeah, so that's where the uh, lovely Americans get that from. <laughs> well, that's right. I think we, we came by it honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only the names, but some of the phrasing they were using, like the sweet Fanny Adams and oh. things like that. They were they were just so great and made me smile a bit. Oh, you know? their, their slang was oh that just that that really was that was my favorite thing in the episode because because if you read you know like I say the Sherlock Holmes stories and things like that you know that is that is lower class British slang and Mark Gatiss of course he's a scholar of of you know Victorian literature he knows all those wonderful expressions and, and uh, yeah they're all there just oh it was beautiful just beautiful you this know, made me think a lot of H.G. Uh, Wells uh, the first men in the moon um, which has uh, Britain's Victorian Britons going to the moon and um and I love that I love that book and um and then the, there's a there's a fine film of it uh, with Ray Harryhausen creatures in it and so on and uh and I love that movie too and and it's 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 got that all those steampunk kind of verities because it's all about you know Victorians building something that can go to the moon for heaven's sake and they've got pressure suits <laughs> you know that that probably wouldn't actually work on the moon but you know <laughs> we'll buy it for the sake of the story and so on. so yeah I, I I love this it's it, this is Victorian gentlemen on Mars you know it's like hooray. <laughs> so. you know and I also have to give a little bit of credit to the again to the writing. Which in and I mean this for the entire series ten. This is the second time Thin Ice being the first time that you've had a minor character that's been you know integral to the story within itself, but the actor that's portrayed him has come across a, as a complete, like I said before, complete ass, just the way um, the guy did in Thin Ice, but just having not as much screen time as the main characters. I, you know, I, I just find that good acting. So kudos to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. For So for everyone listening, we are going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back, and I've got a couple of more questions for my friends Lee and Clarence. So we'll be right back. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. 
Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? All right. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around with us. And like I said just a moment ago, I've got a few more questions up my sleeve and running around in my head or wherever they might be. So uh, I'm going to say whoever wants to take this one. The TARDIS took Nordle away. What do we think <laughs> of that? Yeah. Clarence, what do you think? Uh, very weird. Um, I still have no idea what was going on with that. Um, does the TARDIS fly itself sometimes? <laughs> I don't know if I've noticed that before. <laughs> Not that I can ever think of, but um, but if there's anybody who could figure out a way to make it do that, it would be Missy. Okay, well, yeah. let me put this wrinkle in and, and then mm. come back to it. In the episode, The Doctor's Wife, at the very end, after Idris or the slash the TARDIS had mm-hmm. had lost uh, corporal form and gone back uh, to being the TARDIS when um, it gets time to go and Rory and Amy are you know off uh, screen at the moment it's just doctor at the console right when they get ready to go the um, lever pulls itself down and then he smiles and then the episode goes off so we have seen yeah. the TARDIS activate itself we've actually yeah. seen the TARDIS lock uh, Clara and wouldn't wouldn't let her in. So, did the TARDIS take him, or did, as you guys just said, Missy have something to do with him? Hmm. Yeah, the way I read that in uh, the Doctor's Wife was that that was that was the last little vestige. That was the last. You know, she could do this one last thing, just to say, yeah, it's still me. Mm. What do you think, Clarence? I mean, I think I surely think it's possible. I mean, they're, they're even kind of leading us to believe that that Missy has something to do with this. But uh, I, I think she mentioned in the last episode about uh, making a gun out of a feather or something like that. So, yeah, maybe Missy can do some has some tricks up her sleeve. Uh, but I just for the life of me do not see how she's making this happen. And if, if it is her, Um so yeah, I, I'm I'm very anxious to find out how that develops. What are what are your thoughts on that? All right, so I'm going to have to disagree with Lee on this one, and the reason for that, the only reason I take away the last vestige of the TARDIS saying that last goodbye is she said at some point in that episode, "I've not always taken you where you wanted to go, but I've always taken you where you needed to go." So. That that just goes back to the TARDIS being sentient uh, and going places. So, but, but does she? But but does the TARDIS initiate that? That's I think that's the big question here. Um, going back to the name of the Doctor and the TARDIS when they are trying to land on Trenzalore shuts down all the. Um, all the uh, well, not she basically puts a, not doesn't shut it down, but she puts on the brake, trying to not, um, you know, not land on Trenzalore, and then that's whenever he just turns it off, and then they basically crash. So, another reference to her, her being the TARDIS, acting against the Doctor's wishes. So, Lee, rebuttal. Um, it, it, if we're still thinking of the TARDIS as a person, yeah, I'm thinking of uh, the TARDIS as a machine that I, Missy has figured out a way to, um, 
uh, to hijack. Um, but I think if we're thinking of the TARDIS as a person, that just means that Missy's figured out a way to kidnap her. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it, it's, it's really just a matter of, of, of terminology. True. Good point. I, I, th- I think the same thing is happening. She's somehow got a gun to the TARDIS's head and saying, yeah, you're going to do what I tell you. She's saying something uh, nice. That's all it is. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, did how, we go ahead? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, how how feasible do we think it is for Nordal to uh, seek out Missy's help in the situation? When again, if we look back to those first few episodes of the season, uh, Nordal is just indignant about whatever is in this vault, and he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. You know, and he wants to protect what's in there. Mm-hmm. So at first sign of trouble, he's beating down the door asking for help. Um, that that it just doesn't seem right to me in this situation, but I can see his dilemma. Yeah, but it but I, I agree. It does seem like he's been the one. He's been more concerned about Missy being in there than the doctor has. So, 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 so. Yeah. What what you just said, or both of you just said, made me think of something. What if not necessarily the episodes? But the appearances of Nordle or the appearances of the, you know, we've already mentioned kind of offhand the doctor's appearances. But what if Nordle's appearances aren't necessarily in chronological order of episodes? Hmm. That would be too much. (laughs) I hope it's not the case. Yeah, I think that's something that the show really hasn't done before. And I would be disappointed if they did it now. Uh, yeah, interesting theory, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's not beyond the realm of possibility, though. We yeah. see where they threw the uh, <clears throat> curveball at us with the actual uh, regeneration. So, hey, mm-hmm. I guess anything may go this season. Well, yeah, yeah, possibly. So, all right. So, I want to I want to uh, mention it's and it's funny we're we're almost fifty minutes in and we've made very little reference to the actual returning ice warriors uh so what did you guys think of the um queen we've never seen and correct me if i'm wrong here lee but we've never seen a female ice warrior have we or we didn't know they were female okay that's what i thought (laughs) yeah um yeah i don't know um but um but yeah i I, I, I love that um, that shot, this effect of her waking up the other ice warriors and you know, the, the, oh. camera, the, uh, the point of view sort of does this little spiral of their little cells uh, lighting up. Yeah, um, and, you know, again, fan service maybe. I mean, it's a beautiful thing of itself, but also we've also seen that exact image in the classic series, only it was Cybermen back yes. there. So Tomb of the Cybermen. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it works either way. And so... So what did you think, uh, Clarence, of the Empress? Um, I thought she was really cool. Um, I guess I can explain more. <laughs> no, I like the way that she, um, when she was um, presented with the dilemma of what to do, she doesn't consult the doctor, which I guess she does at first, but then she turns to Bill, the other female in the room, uh, to try to get some advice on is is the doctor actually being square with her? So I thought that was really cool, um, and I thought she was believable enough as, as being fierce. Uh, but she kind of um, 
gets the guy who's trying to steal the jewels off the tomb. I thought that was, you know, really cool and really kind of semi-creepy way to present her uh, mm. becoming alive or becoming uh, reborn or whatever. Uh, not reborn, that's a bad word. <laughs> uh, She's but, yeah, resurrected. Resurrect, that's what I'm looking for. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think she was great. I enjoyed her. I think the actor playing the part did a really good job. And, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed her. And actually, when I was thinking about the Ice Warriors, I did not find Sleep No More as the previous episode. I guess I was looking on a bad um, summary or whatever, but it gave me a Cold War, and I actually went back to look at some of that one. And yeah, just trying to remember the Ice Warriors because it uh, doesn't seem like we've seen them in a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed her as well as the the other Ice Warriors in this episode. I think they're one of those enemies that you don't see that often, but I, I really liked seeing them on screen. So I really enjoyed them as a whole. You know, and that actually leads into Clarence. Very good. That actually leads in to the next thing I wanted to talk about. So Lee, you know, I know we saw the Ice Warriors. Um, in the six, you know, late sixties, early seventies, but after mm-hmm. the curse of uh, what is it, Pen- Peladon? Yes, Peladon, After yeah. that, did we see them again, or was that pretty much their last appearance? Cold War. That's, ah, yes. That's the next, yeah, yeah. That's the so, next time we saw them, yeah. So it was forty years or thirty-nine years between Curse of Peladon and Cold War. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and I I remember wondering, you know. There was a point where we were saying, well, okay, well, we've brought back the Daleks and Cybermen and the Zygons. And, you know, <laughs> what are the other major sea devils? Of course, we've got we to get the Silurians <laughs> in there somehow. You know, <laughs> What are the major villains we're going to revisit again? And some that we hope we were not going to bring back because uh, <laughs> they're embarrassing. Um, you know, and then I, I remember thinking about the Ice Warriors. I thought, you know, that was a, that was a cool design. Yeah, that really sort of is. crocodile hide and the, and the helmets and everything. And, you know, that, you know, we, we, that that could really be good in the 21st century Doctor Who, and then and I loved it in Cold War. I thought, yeah, that's that's how you do that. So yeah, now we got a room full of them. That that would be very happy. So and and the way they not drew her, but the way that they did, she still looked like a ice warrior or an ice mm-hmm. warrior, but right. yet she still. You know, it didn't over Ice Warrior ish. You know, she still had. You could tell it was a queen, basically. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. totally just a replica of how they looked. Right. No, her. I, actually, I'm watching the episode right now, and I'm just admiring the uh, the styling on her her uh, her helmet. And uh, it's it is a great design. It is part helmet, part crown, and. Um, but it's also got kind of a claw coming around towards her face. It's just, it is, it's a great design. Um, now the, love it. either the yeah. actress or the voice, I'm not sure which, but either the actress or the voice that was Araxa, if I'm not mistaken, I've read that she, um, was again, either the, the actress playing or the, the voice of, so I'm assuming actress playing the Arachne queen or whatever the in. Um, the um, partners in crime, or not, or, or whatever. Runaway bride. A runaway bride. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. <clears throat> well, I was listening to her voice, thinking, "My golly, she sounds like the Empress of the Ragnos." So, it, so it's it not why. just me thinking that, or yeah. No, because I. Uh, so, so it it uh, then then that is the same person. And if you look at, they both did that uh, chiseled teeth look. So, right. Maybe that's what her teeth really look Maybe like. That's, yes. <laughs> 
Oh, what do you yeah. got? Yeah, what do you guys think about the kind of you saying you you said that you didn't know there was actually a, a female ice warrior. What do you think about the whole being the high mentality of her being the queen of all of them? Uh, I guess you think they think they were trying to play that against the the uh, God save the queen thing at, uh, from uh, the UK. Were they trying to put that up against each other, or does it have no relation? Or yeah, I, I thought I thought it was fun that. Uh... That the the soldiers several times say "God save the queen" and they're standing in the presence of a queen. <laughs> you know, I, I I did I like that very much. <laughs> um, yeah, whether they were, uh, <laughs> whether that was, I'm sure that was conscious. Mark Gatiss is not going to do yeah. something like that by accident. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And you know, it got me down thinking. You know, since they're reptiles, does she like lay like a hundred eggs or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that Just, either. Mm. But back to but 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 off the eggs and back to Keep the queen. Thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I am because I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, back back though to the uh, to the comment you made about you know her being the queen. Perhaps it was, or it played in there because you had the soldier without a country that pledged his allegiance to the queen. Just a different, yeah. different yeah. queen. Yeah. So, so maybe that was part of the intent or of how the story was written. So, all right. So, I want to ask another question, and you know, I'm left with no option but to, um, uh, you know, point this one at Lee simply because I did not remember this character myself until I heard that voice, and I thought, okay. <laughs> Where, wait, 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 where, where, uh, what, who, uh, that sounds like, huh? And then I read it and then got why that sounded so eerily or oddly familiar. Are you receiving us? Mars, are you receiving? This is Iraxa, Queen Empress of Mars. Ah, excellent. We have received details of your situation. We would be happy to send a fleet to your aid at once. A physical marker of some sort would be appreciated to guide our ships. To whom am I speaking? This is Alpha Centauri. Welcome to the universe. So obviously, Eli, I'm sure you remember uh, Alpha Centauri. Mm-hmm. So, t- so kind of enlighten, uh, you know, uh, us on Alpha Centauri to refresh my memory, enlighten Clarence, and anybody that may be listening that's not Alpha Centauri. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me uh, let me get get authentic here and see if I can quickly get to uh, the uh, TARDIS wiki page about Curse of Peladon. Uh, in that last episode, we're, we're in the classic series where we saw the Ice Warriors. Um, we see several representatives of several different races. Um, and uh, this is a John Pertwee, a third Doctor story. Joe and, Grant um, along with him. With Joe Grant, right? And um, yeah, uh, in I, the story, you, there is there is this alien and it's – it's it's an I would say it's an unfortunate costume. Yes, very unfortunate. I, I think unfortunate is the only word I can think of. Is it that because there are several alien races represented, you can sort of sense the show using up its budget, and so by the time this character comes along, we're kind of done. So um, they throw a co- they throw a cape around the actor, 
and they've got a, a kind of a, a bullet shaped helmet head and one enormous unblinking, basically human <laughs> eye and the little centipede hands. And, and yeah, and, and, and the gloves are actually pretty good the, the, Yeah. So, so Alpha Centauri, I guess is a, is a bug of some kind, right. but with a very phallic head. And, um, <laughs> I never noticed that, but you're right. Um, Wow, you never noticed that. No, I never got it, never, but yes, okay. Now, anyway, yes. oh no, I, um, I've read John Pertwee talking about that, and he had, oh, a very rude, he had a very rude name for Alvison <laughs> But yeah, I'll leave that to your imagination. But anyway. uh, Okay, well, that is funny. But, but you know, um, <laughs> I remember back to the conversation where... Um, I was listening to an episode that I wasn't on with the two of you talking about uh, about classic who. And uh, and I remember thinking this was funny that in the same episode where, where you where Clarence was saying that he might have trouble getting into the show because of its poor production values. You know, and you're saying, well, you know, you have to look past that. You have to think of it as an as, you know, it, it's as what it was at its time. And it was a low budget show and they're using imagination and not, you know, resources and so on. And then later in the same episode, you were picking on Clarence for liking the Power Rangers TV series. Oh, well, true. And, That's good. And call. I wanted, I wanted yeah, to get in the you. episode and say, hey, listen, that is not the way to get him to watch classic Who. <laughs> that, 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 that's a good point. If, 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 if your problem with Power Rangers is that they keep shooting in the same rock quarry over and over again, <laughs> welcome to classic Who. Well, good. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Alpha Centauri is one of those costumes where, where even devoted fans of the show, even those of us who are straining our a willing suspension of disbelief. We have to go. Oh, come on! <laughs> All right. So, so um, let me so, read. So, deliberately bringing him, her, it back for this episode is is really winking at the fans, saying, "Hey, you never thought we'd bring back Alpha Centauri, did you?" <laughs> and, and, and for anyone who wants to know, Alpha Centauri. This is according to Wikipedia. Alpha Centauri is a hermaphroditic hexapod. From Alpha Centauri, and being effectively gender, genderless, is referred to as it, as opposed to he or she. It is okay. a tall, it is tall grain, and has one large blue eye, six arms, and a high-pitched voice, and wears yes. a long yellow cape. And, and <laughs> but now this is the best part, and walks around with a nervous gait. Yeah, well, it's true, and does not look like a condom coming out of its wrapper in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> And, yeah. and 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 the, that voice is Isan Churchman, and yes. Isan Churchman is still with us, bless her heart. And so she came back to do this voice again at <laughs> ninety-two years old. 90? Oh, yeah. 90. wow! Yeah, yeah. So that was why I was going, huh, huh? Where, where, what, what? Who, who? What? That, yeah. yeah, where did I? Where have I heard that before? And it yeah, that was her. But but seri- if you're going to take the continuity of these things seriously at all, really, in Curse of Peladon. It is a happy ending with all these warrior races coming together and they're all going to join the uh, Galactic Federation. And Alpha Centauri is there to sort of broker this peace. And so that's what Margatus has seriously happened at the end of uh, Empress of Mars. So, you know, silly is that sort of winking at the audience there, uh, uh, you know, classic fan thing there. Uh, It's it, 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 it still fits in the larger story of Doctor Who. It still makes sense. It makes sense in the fact of it was the 12th Doctor that had a hand in setting into motion events for a third Doctor story that happened in the early 70s. Yeah. Yes, but that's right. Doctor Who. Wibbly wobbly. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. So let me ask you, Clarence. I th- I think we pretty much um, you know wrapped up the whole of the Ice Warrior story. So oh oh whoa 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 one thing that uh, I didn't mention, which is at the very end, the TARDIS comes back to get them, and it ends with uh, Missy asking the Doctor, "Is he feeling all right?" So Clarence, what did you think? Uh, uh, I don't know. I have no idea what their story's going. <laughs> it was just a big stare down at the end. So um, I'm pretty sure in the next episode there will be plenty of shenanigans with Missy and the Doctor. <laughs> but I, I just have no idea where they're going. Uh, where they're going with this? Lee, thoughts? Yeah, it's fun, isn't it, to really have no <laughs> idea what they're up to. Here. But it did seem to me like that tied nicely with the way she was played the last time we saw her, which I guess was in the previous episode. Uh, that she is either truly reformed, she is really, after however long she's been in the box, seen the error of her ways and is becoming a good person, or, what is infinitely more likely, this is part of the long <laughs> game she's playing. The long con. <laughs> yep, exactly. And if so, she's doing it, you know, you know. this is, this is a, a, a brilliant actress playing this. I believe her. You know, I don't know what I'd do in this situation. I think, wow, I think she kind of is going to be okay. No, she's not. (laughs) Don't trust her. And you know what? Just until right now, I had completely forgotten that John Sims is coming back, and we've got three episodes left. Right, right. Oh, and yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. It's out there on the web. There are people who are saying, oh, and now they've released the the episode in which he'll appear. I I do not want to know. Don't tell me. Don't. don't, don't, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, I don't want to. I'm still going my degeneration theory. That's (laughs) and I'll stay away from. (laughs) Hey, I would be happy, you know, if they want to do that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they had to pick a number with Chibnall returning if they wanted to go that route. I mean, you know, I could think of ten good reasons that that might be a good idea. I don't know. Let's do something different. Yeah, (laughs) not even for David Tennant. No. So, so uh, hmm. another thing in the episode itself that uh, what if I, I gave you was... eleven reasons, <laughs> <laughs> just just ask. All right, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, now I was going to say in the episode, Bill makes uh, several references to pop culture, like movies and TV shows. Uh, I think Vikings, Terminator, uh, The Thing. I think, and mm-hmm. and yep. then at the end, the Doctor like um, <laughs> comes back with a rebuttal. Because uh, he seems <laughs> to not know any movies that she mentions, yes. and then he mentions Frozen, Frozen of all things. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty funny. Right, and we know the Doctor knows a lot of American pop culture too. So a lot of <laughs> global pop culture. So yeah, <laughs> he's probably playing with her about Terminator. Seriously, <laughs> I, I can't imagine that he hasn't seen Terminator. Good so point. We know he's we know he's seen Ghostbusters. Remember that? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> For example, but uh, a couple other things. All right. But yeah. Oh, and and I thought the I thought the symmetry of that was she keeps saying movies. No, you haven't seen it. No, it's a movie. You haven't seen it. No, it's a movie. You haven't seen it. No. Why do you call them Friday? You know, like in Robinson Crusoe. Oh huh? yeah, that was funny. <laughs> what you haven't read that? Yeah. I, I thought that's where that joke paid off, but I don't know. Yeah, it, <laughs> it really with, did. With, with Frozen is also. <laughs> which it's a movie? Which that's another movie I've never seen before. Uh, highly recommended. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, now it's oh, 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 you reminded me. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> Robinson Crusoe, 
Watch me get from Robinson Crusoe to River Song, okay? Okay, all right. Robinson Crusoe is written by Daniel Defoe. Daniel Defoe's other great work is The Amorous Adventures of Maul Flanders, Ah. of which the the BBC made a wonderful miniseries starring River Song. Alex Alex Kingston, yeah. There you go. But you still got to let me borrow. Yes, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I think we're ready to give our reviews. So... Clarence, why don't you start us off? What what was your review or final thoughts of this episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to wrap it up, I really enjoyed the 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 soldiers and just the character that they had. I think really kind of made the episode for me. Um, the the um, the queen was um, was pretty interesting herself. Uh, one thing that did kind of get him on there is the guy who tried to steal the, the stone with no way to get off the planet. I thought that was <laughs> that was kind of idiotic, but hey, we got to have some conflict. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the episode and I'm going to have to uh, give it four stars. Alright. Lee, what do you think? I'm going to go for four as well. I Like I said, I love um, uh, the first men in the moon, and this was basically the first men in Mars. And uh, that was just a lot of fun. And I love Mark Gatiss as somebody who loves Victorian literature. I loved him him writing for these uh, Victorian uh, soldiers and uh, and kind of mocking the whole empire building thing, <laughs> and uh, with such gusto, um, but still ending us with a very patriotic "God Save the Queen." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was very nice. Anyway, yeah, I just I thought it was cracking good fun, and I was surprised to re- be reading people online picking on it and saying that they thought the. I don't know that they thought it wasn't serious enough. Well, okay, all right, whatever. I I, I thought it was fun, and I thought that was the intent. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. four out of five. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? I'm going to make it a uh, unanimous uh, round table. Of, I'm going to also give it a four as well. I thought it was very entertaining. I liked the fact that they threw something out of left field that even I didn't get at first, and I had to go look it up. But then once that I looked it up, I was like, oh, cool. So I liked that. I liked the Queen Ice Warrior. I saw Missy. Missy got out of the cage. That made me happy. (laughs) Even if she, you know, I may dislike Missy by the end. And whatever she may or may not do, but right now, you know, I'm enjoying her good slash bad evilness. So, um, you know, the 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 character interactions between Nordle, the Doctor, and Bill, once again, is a highlight of this series for me. Mm. And it was on display again in this episode. And it also reminded me of something I've said over and over this uh, series of episodes that we've been doing it's sad that Peter Capaldi's best is his final. And yeah. I purposely paused there because it is his final and this is his last and this is his best. So four, a strong, strong, very strong four. Yeah. And, and just, I want to mention like real quick, it was, it's one of these episodes where it seemed like the doctor had very little control over what was going on. Um, witnessed by the TARDIS being gone. We saw very little nodal to the, to the end, but yeah, it's, he really didn't have control, but still it was a fun episode, which he kind of just went along for the ride on. <laughs> so I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And sometimes taking away the TARDIS is freeing the doctor to, to be the doctor at his best. You know, because he doesn't have yeah. that um, immediate escape hatch. Right. 
most of the whole John Pertwee era, right? True. Good yeah, point. Yeah. Absolutely good point. Yeah, uh, just the impact of it being gone. Uh, you know, I kind of felt it as I felt that uh, the, the Peter Crowley's character felt it in that moment when he realized the TARDIS was gone. I was like, oh, what? You know, it's, it's kind of a shocking moment. It's a very, a very big handicap for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, because put yourself just for a moment in that reality, not in the knowing of of watching the show that you know by the end of it, it's going to come back. But just go back to if you were your vehicle that's going to take you out of here is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come out the store and your car is stolen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Good. good What's worse than that? (laughs) Your your car, your house, your library, your everything and your swimming pool. And you're in the desert. Yes, right. good point. Good you're point. on Mars, and it's 1880. <laughs> There's not even anybody you can call. Oh man! All right, so Lee, tell everybody if you would uh, how um, people could get in touch with you if they wanted uh, to find I, out more about you. Oh, I encourage people to go look at uh, the website relativitypodcast.com. And see all about uh, and listen to uh, the first 10 episodes of Relativity. And uh, there's a contact form there. And if you want to drop me a note, that's probably the best way to do it because it goes straight to me. Just push the contact button and write stuff in it. Cool, cool. Well, uh, Clarence, um, anything else that you are working on and or uh, would like to share with everybody? I'm just... Uh uh, follow up Lee and say also go to his Patreon and contribute. Yeah, because I've been seeing people liking those posts for uh for Relativity Podcast and yeah, go ahead and head over there and 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 get give him a beer or two. You know, chip him a few bucks. And uh, <laughs> he's an angel. <laughs> and um, yeah, so what I've been working on, yeah, you can find what I work on on my other podcast, TechPedition dot com. That's T C H P E D I T I O N dot com. Where on our last episode, we uh, talked about the Microsoft Xbox E3 uh, briefing. And yeah, we talked about the new console coming up, coming out this fall, I think November 7th, the uh, Xbox One X. So yeah, it's supposed to be the most powerful console ever. We give a deep dive on it. So yeah, check that out. All right, good deal. Well, for anyone listening, we thank you for spending a few minutes of your time with us. If you happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and enjoy the show, we do encourage you to take a moment and leave us a rating or a star or giving us a review. What do those do for us? The more reviews and the more ratings we receive, the more it allows us to get featured perhaps in the top 50, top 100 of whatever category we might be in. So, you know, feel free if if you've got a few extra minutes to go on and do that. And Clarence, would you like to remind everyone how they can get in touch with us? Uh, Yeah, it's uh, at Techpedition. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) At Discussing Who. (laughs) (laughs) It's also Uh, true. (laughs) Yeah, it's also true. But now it's at Discussing Who on all the various social medias. Um, You can send us a voicemail at 805-850-DWHO or shoot us an email at DiscussingWho at gmail.com. 
All right, good deal. Well, again, everyone, thank you for listening. Series 10 of Doctor Who barreled down the time vortex headed into the finale. We are about to uh, hit the home stretch, so to speak. So we will be back next week for our review of The Eaters of Light, which is episode 10. So for me, in the speculative, I like to, you know, kind of have my ending saying so in the speculative (laughs) spirit of what is to come we hope you go forward and all of your beliefs and prove to us that we are not mistaken in ours we will see you next time so we're out of here you've been listening to the discussing who podcast discussing who is made by fans for fans no copyright infringement is intended Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.